tonight. So if you want to be turning to uh, the book of Romans, we'll start in Romans chapter number 3. And then we will get to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Uh, so if you want to be finding those two places to begin with, uh, we will be using our Bibles again tonight uh, to turn to several different places. And uh, there'll even be a list or two. Uh, we just will not, of Scripture, we just will not have time to, to read, uh, but I'll give you the reference that you can mark down, so be prepared for that, and, uh, and uh, so be prepared to use your Bible tonight to turn to several places, and, uh, but we'll start in Revel uh, Romans chapter number 3, and then uh, we'll turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, that's where we'll get our text to get started, and then we'll be moving uh, around all through the Scripture tonight. And uh, I'm looking forward to the Bible study. And uh, if you were not here last Wednesday night for the Bible study, I would encourage you, go to our website, listen to it, watch it. Um, what I've been teaching recently, what it's, I'm going to teach on tonight, and plan on teaching along this same line next week, uh, it is, is important for us doctrinally. And uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot packed in there uh, when it comes to our doctrine, uh, why we're saved, why we know we're saved, uh, because uh, I want you to, I want, number one, I want you to know you're saved. And then I want you to know why you're saved. And uh, we can make that simple by faith, by grace, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but tonight I want to illustrate some things. And so I'll move, uh, but I don't want to just, I don't want to want you to make you think I'm going to be here all night long. I just have two points tonight. My two points are two statements, and uh, there's some subpoints under these two statements. Um, I won't tell you how many subpoints under these two statements, uh, but uh, but it, it, we'll, I think we'll enjoy the the Bible study tonight. Uh, I'm gonna I'll tell you what I'm going to teach on, then I'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll read the text. I'm going to teach tonight on God's judgment on man and Christ's payment for sin. God's judgment on man and Christ's payment for sin. We celebrate Christ's payment for sin, and we should daily. We celebrate, we talk about what Christ's payment for sin. But we can never lose focus on the fact that the reason he did pay for sin was because of God's judgment on man. And I'm thankful for Christ's payment on sin. I think it's good for us to be reminded that the reason Christ provided that payment was because of our sin and because of God's judgment on sin. Because if I'm reminded as a child of God that it was my sin that put Christ on the cross, I, I won't lose sight of what Christ did for me. But it'll also remind me, as a child of God, that if my sin was wicked enough to send me to hell, I should still be concerned about sin because it can affect my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A danger we have as Christians, especially the longer we're saved, is to uh, lose sight of how God sees sin. We've done it in our nation. Because we've justified as man, we assume God justifies it. Because we accept it, we assume God accepts it. 
And so tonight we're going to look at God's judgment on man and Christ's payment for sin. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight. Give me clarity of thought uh, as we look at the passage of Scripture this evening, these thoughts and truths. Uh, my, we're, we're so thankful and grateful for what Christ did, your love for us, uh, that unmerited favor, nothing we could, to, could do to deserve it. And Father, we ask your hand of blessing tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter number 3, we'll begin reading with verse number 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Notice what the Bible says. We have the law to reveal to us something, that we come short of God. Notice the wording of Scripture at the end of verse 19. And all the world may become guilty before God. Uh, it was the Bible. It was the teaching of the Word of God. My, me being around Scripture that showed me I was a sinner. I had to become guilty before I could get saved. I had to become guilty before I could be born again. Uh, only lost people get saved. Uh, you say, well, isn't everybody lost? Everybody is, but they have to believe they're lost in order to get saved. There's a lot of criticism out there about uh, what we call the sinner's prayer, and some of it is justified. Most of the critics of that, they just criticize soul winning. But I will say... Words have never saved anybody. But there has to be an acknowledgement that you're guilty. An acknowledgement that you're a sinner. Soul winners, don't get so caught up in hurrying through. And we, we have a sinner's prayer, I'll call it that. But don't be so caught up into that that you lose sight of what is necessary and what is necessary is for an individual to realize that they are guilty before God. Because if you, well, as best as I can remember, as a, as a child, just a little bit short of my fifth birthday, I became guilty. The Holy Spirit convicted me that I was guilty of everything my teacher and all these people have been saying about me is true. I was guilty. Before God, that is necessary. So we're guilty. Let's continue reading. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law was the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. There's a lot of people who like to justify themselves. I'm living a good life. I never miss church. I never miss mass. I never miss, I do all of these things. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, and all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, a verse we know very well, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all guilty before God because we have all sinned. And because we've sinned, we come short of a perfect God. We know this. 
We've been taught this. We understand this. We see, we must be reminded tonight, and part of my part of my goal tonight in this Bible study is to remind us that we needed Christ because we were guilty. We needed Christ. Why is John 3:16 so important? Because all have sinned. Why does it mean so much to us that the Son of God would leave heaven and live a sinless life and go to the cross of Calvary and be blasphemed and endure that physical suffering and and pay our sin penalty? Why is that so important and significant? Because we are guilty before God because of sin. You know why there's a host of people on this planet that the name of Jesus means nothing to them? That, that, that you Christians, that you, you, you celebrate all these things, you talk about all these things, and John 3.16 and all of that, they don't think they're guilty before God. See, that's why as, soul, as a soul winning church and soul winners, always be looking. Because there are people out there that know they're guilty. They just don't know what to do about it. That's why the, the, Jesus taught the disciples to shake the dust off of your feet when those religious reject it, when sinners reject the message of Christ. Why? We're looking for guilty people. And if you can never get to the place that you're guilty, you never have a need of a Savior. Be, because we are guilty, we are, all, we are all sinners. The two are tied together. That's why, I hope this will help you. I think this will help you. You can keep fathers away in your soul winning. Well, some people don't even think sin is a big deal. Well, everybody does it. Tie it with verse number 19. Because of our sin, we're all guilty before God. Now, flip over to 1 Thessalonians. You have that marked. Verse number 5. I'll let you catch up with me. I'm going to start reading 1 Thessalonians 1, verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. I'll just interject this. The Holy Ghost is who convicts us of our guilt. The Holy Ghost is the one. That's why soul winner, you have your gospel track, you take your soul winner, New Testament, but you better bring the Holy Ghost with you. Because it's the Holy Ghost that helps that person see you're guilty. It's the Holy Ghost that does that. Verse 6, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples of all that believe in Macedonia and Archaea. These are new Christians, new believers. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Notice verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. 
he's, he's talking, he's writing this, this epistle, these, these letters to these believers, uh, because they're examples. What are the examples of? They turned from idols. They, they accepted the gospel. They turned from God, idols, accepted the, the Lord Jesus to serve the living and true God. And what are they doing? They're waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. Now notice this last phrase, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Okay, Romans 3, 19. The law shows us that we are guilty before God. That's the purpose. Now, verse 23 of Romans 3 reminds us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're guilty. And what we have to understand is a man is guilty because of his sin, but what is in store for the guilty man? The wrath to come. We live in a day today when man is not considerate, never considers what his guilt means. Never considers what his sin brings about. I, I'm sure if you've ever tried to witness to more than two people, and if you've tried two people, probably one of them has given you, got to the place where, nope, I'm not going to call on him today. I'm, not, I, I'm just not going to do it. And I, and I go away with my, I, I don't understand that. That's hap- I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me, and I don't understand it. What they're saying is, and I, they admit, I've had some admit to me, I'm a sinner. I, I know that I'm guilty before God. And when they reject Christ, they're saying, I'm content to stay that way. But what they're not considering is the wrath to come. God's judgment on man. Friend, even you and I as a Christian... We praise God. I don't stay awake at night scared of hell. I don't stay awake at night of the great white throne of judgment. But let us not lose sight that the wrath of God on sinful man is a real thing. But you've got the sin. You've got... The measurement, by the way, we need to be reminded of this world that this world doesn't determine the standard by which guilt is determined. God's word does. Religion, this world needs to understand that even religion doesn't set the standard for which a man is guilty. You have it today, sadly, even among independent Baptists, they're, they're no different than the Pope. They get up and they declare some Bible doctrine is no longer valid. And they do the same thing they would condemn the Pope for doing. This is the standard to show us we're guilty. That's why we don't do, as a Christian and as a preacher and as a, as a, as a, as a church, we don't do anybody a favor on Sunday morning when they walk in lost and we don't preach this book so that they might realize that they're guilty before God. 
this making sense? Because of our sin. And it's not just so we don't feel too good about ourselves. Because 1 Thessalonians 1 reminds us, those of us that are saved, we're saved from the wrath to come. So let's draw a very simple conclusion. Those that are not saved are not saved from the wrath to come. God's judgment on man is a very real thing. Let me stop right here. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, let me tell you, before, I'm still in the introduction, but let me tell you, you are guilty before God according to His Word because of sin. And there is wrath to come. We need to be reminded as a church that is concerned with the mission of the church. That's why the emphasis is winning souls. The emphasis is uh, uh, missions. The emphasis is reaching people with the gospel because just because we're free from the wrath doesn't mean God's wrath has gone away. Man will face the wrath of God because they're guilty before God. Now I'm going to make my first statement. God's judgment is kindled by man's sin. God is not an angry God, although God gets angry at sin. God is not a hateful God. God's a merciful God. God's a loving God. God's a gracious God. How many times can you read on the pages of Scripture, the anger of God was kindled? Was it because God was having a bad day? No, God is God. He doesn't have bad days. It's because of the actions of man. God's judgment is kindled by man's sin. First of all, because of what man is. Man is sinful. I'm going to read from just a moment Romans 5. If you, if, if, if you, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to flip over. But God's judgment is kindled by man's sin because of what man is. In Genesis 6, 5, and 7, we find the account of God regretting ever creating man. And going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Why? Because of what man is. Let's, make, let's be reminded tonight of what man is. Romans 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world... And death by sin, and so death have passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Man is a sinner. Man is sinful. Verse 18, the same chapter, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. Because of Christ, justification is for all, but because of one man's sin, sin went to all. Verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We are sinners. 
Wherefore, as by one man. So I didn't do what Adam did. Oh, you've done a lot that probably Adam didn't do. Because we are sinners. You ever thought about, I'm sure you have thought about it, but have you ever meditated on the fact that God is perfect in every area, in every way? A lot of times we take the word perfect in Webster's Dictionary and assign that to God. But that's not the way it is. God is perfection. Not a word entry in a dictionary. He's the standard. Holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. That's still in the Bible. Have you thought about God and His holiness? Man, this flesh, we have no idea. Man, today, well, I stand before God, I'll tell Him, oh no. I'm going to come back to this in just a moment. Oh no. On our best day, at, a, at the best period of our life, as a Christian doing the best that we can do, we really have no idea how holy God is and what sin does in the presence of a holy God. I want to have you raise your hand because I already know the answer. How many of you have sinned today? I didn't say you didn't have to raise your hand. I already knew. Well, you must have had a really bad day because you, <laughs> you're disobeying the preacher in church. <laughs> yeah, it's been one of those days. It's all of us. How many of us had a thought that we didn't, shouldn't have had today? We said a word we shouldn't have said. We, we, we had, we've done things we didn't do. To think that the Lord Jesus Christ as God never had a thought enter his mind. That shouldn't have been there. Some of you have already had bad thoughts in church. Think, think about the standard that is set. God's judgment is kindled. We're all guilty. There's wrath to come because of what man is. Make no mistake, man is not good. Man is sinned. God looks at a lost man. He doesn't see the talent of a lost man. He sees him as a sinner. We justify our sin. God does not. He sees it for what it is. God's judgment is kindled by man's sin because of what man is. Number two, God's judgment is kindled by man's sin because of what man has done. I'll use the illustration of, well, I don't have a whole lot behind this, but, but we are sinners. We, what we do. It, it's, it's, it's an amazing thought to think of all the sinful actions of man. I've been studying 
Romans chapter number 1 for some different projects and all the things that are listed and I believe represented in Romans chapter number 1. Certainly parallels with, with 2 Timothy chapter number 3. All those things we've looked at in the last days, those are some horrible, horrible, horrible things. Because of what man has done, the wrath of God is kindled. God does not ignore, our nation may ignore, some politicians may ignore the, the murder of unborn children, but I promise you there is a God in heaven who is very aware of man's wickedness. In Luke chapter 16, we find the story of the, of the rich man. The story of preached many times in that passage, rich Lazarus and rich man, Lazarus the beggar, they both die. The Bible tells us that the rich man lifts up his eyes in hell. And there's all kinds of applications and warnings for us and lessons for us between the conversation between the rich man and Abraham. And I've preached on those. But upon a greater re reflection on that story, fits perfectly in context of our study tonight, there's one thing you will not find in the request of the rich man. There's one thing you won't see in that story is a complaint from the rich man that he was treated unfairly for being in hell. You don't find him complaining about the injustice of God. Study out Revelation, specifically in Revelation chapter number 20 and through the end of the, the, the book. Those that are unjust will stay unjust. If they've never, in God's mind, for all of eternity, they're unjust. They're ungodly. doesn't matter how far back their sin goes in the sight of God. It is a deed committed and for all of eternity. You don't find a rich man saying, this is, I don't deserve this. Because I believe when man stands before God, he knows. He knows the sin that he committed. He knows he is guilty. He knows that he is not worthy. I'll read Revelation chapter number 20 in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Every sinful act of every sinful man is being recorded. And those who do not accept Christ, one day they're going to be called before the great white throne of judgment in God and all of his righteousness, all of his authority, all of his holiness. They're going to enter into his presence and everything they've done has been recorded and you'll find nobody saying the judgment is too harsh. Man will know. Yeah. 
God's judgment is kindled by man's sin because of what man has done. Number three, God's judgment is kindled by man's sin, uh, man's sin. Number three, because of what man has not done. This is where if you want to write these references down and go back and look at them, I'll give you a couple of key words. We just don't have time to get to it tonight because there's so much more I want to get to. But in Judges 5, 23, you'll find the words came not. Matthew 7, 26, you'll find the words doeth not. Matthew 25, 45, and 46, you'll find the words did not. 1 Corinthians 16, 22, you'll find the words love not. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, you'll find the words know not. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, you'll find the words obey not. John 16, 9, you'll find the words believe not. Yes, there are things that we do that are sin. We're reminded tonight that there is consequences for things that we don't do. If we never, and this is impossible for wicked men, but if we never committed those actions of sin, we would be guilty of not doing the things that we're commanded to do. So we're, we, we, we have wrath to come because of what we are, because of what we have done, and because of what man has not done. Another illustration of this is the wicked servant in Luke 19. He wasn't judged by anything other than what he did not do. And certainly we're talking tonight in the, in the context of, of, of being guilty, being lost by our sin. But we can certainly stop and make the application, can't we? That even as Christians, it's not just about the things that we do are wrong. It's also about the things that we know we should do that we're not doing. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. We are very good at focusing on they shouldn't have done that and no, no argument with Scripture. I shouldn't have done that. We ought to let Scripture tell us what we, sh- we, sh- we, sh- we shouldn't do. But friend, if we, always, if we never did, did the things, if we never did the wrong things, we certainly would be guilty of not doing all the things that we should do. So simply put, God's judgment is kindled by man's sin because of what man is. Make no mistake about what man is. Because of what man has done. Make no mistake about sinful man. Because of what man has not done. God's wrath is kindled. His judgment is kindled. I think in the time that we've taken, I've taken a lot of time, I'm going to have to hurry through this last part. We see that man is guilty before God. Because for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. To give greater context to that, we're reminded that man is sin. We're reminded that man has sinned in the actions that he's done. We're reminded there's things that man should have done that he did not do and does not do. It's like we have Christians that act this way, much less the lost world. Well, I don't agree with that, so therefore I'm not accountable for it. 
You realize there's a lot of Christians who don't go to church and they're accountable for every service they miss? There's a lot of Christians, well, I, I don't go anywhere, so I don't have to tithe. You're still, God still holds you accountable for every paycheck you get, whether you agree with it or not. Well, I don't believe there is a hell. Doesn't change the fact. That's the state of a man. Now, I don't know if you're discouraged yet or not. But the story does not end with God's judgment of man. Let me remind you of what the study is on tonight. God's judgment on man and Christ's payment for sin. When we are reminded of how hopeless we are, it sheds light again on what Christ has done. Because man is hopeless without Christ. Man is guilty before God. Man is a sinner. There is a wrath to come. The time is coming, as I read from Revelation 20, when all the dead who have never trusted Christ with the blood has not been applied, they're going to be called out of hell. They're going to be called before that great white throne in all their sins. They're going to have to give an account of all their sins. They're going to be pronounced guilty and cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Revelation chapter number 21, I believe it is, chapter 22, the, the, the scripture says, don't close that, I'm paraphrasing, don't close that seal because the unjust will be unjust forever. That's the end of the story for them. But now let's talk about Christ's payment for sin. Let me say, first of all, when we talk about Christ's payment for sin, let me help illustrate this. Can y'all stand for a while? Brother Cruz, stand over here. Brother Cruz, when you look at him, you're going to be reminded of what man is. He's sin. I don't have to even say anything else about that. Brother, Brother French, you look up here at him, you're going to be reminded of what man has done. Man is a habitual sinner. Brother Brian's going to stand here and he's going to remind you of what man has not done. All the commands that God has said that we are to do, not everything's don't do. In our rebellion, in our flesh, we defy what God has said not to do. We do it anyway. That's man. But then God has said, there's some things you do. In our rebellion, in our flesh, in our sin nature, we say, I'm not doing it. So we see the three representations. All of these send man to hell. What man is, what man has done, what man has not done, all of that kindles the judgment of God. The day of reckoning is coming for sin. Christ's payment for sin, number one, Christ died for what we were. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 3 and 4. For what the law could not do. Remember we talked about the law? And the law shows man that they're guilty before God. For what the law could not do. 
and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Christ died for what we were. Man deserves hell. Man's got a day of reckoning because what man is. The Son of God died for what we were. Number two, considering Christ's payment for sin. Christ died for what man had done. He died knowing man is sinful. Man is a sinner. Man cannot be saved by the law. He also died for what we had done. So we can say, Christ died for me as a sinful man because I'm a sinner. Christ died for me. All of us could give testimony. You'll have to let mine do tonight. Christ died for me because of the sins that I have committed. We can make it very general for the sins man committed. Christ died for what man has done. I'm going to start in Matthew 26. I want to read all these scriptures. If you want to try and keep up, you can try and keep up. I'll give you the references. You can mark them and go back again. Matthew 26, verse number 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed... For the remission of sins. Christ's blood was shed for the remission of sins. 1 Corinthians 15 in verse number 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Hebrews chapter number 9. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 9. If you want to jot these verses down, it will remind you exactly what Christ did for you. In verse number 28 of Hebrews 9. So Christ was once offered. Why was he offered? To bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hebrews chapter number 10 in verse number 12. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice, talking about the Lord, for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 24. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Once again... We're reminded he would bear our sins on that tree. First uh, Peter chapter number 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. What we did, the sins we've committed, the one who committed no sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Because man is sin. Man has committed sin. The law has declared and showed us that we're guilty before God. The day of reckoning is coming. 
But there is one named Christ Jesus who also has suffered for, also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Very simply put, that word propitiation means that it was a sacrifice that satisfies God. He was the one who could, who could satisfy. Man can pray a thousand Hail Marys, but it doesn't satisfy the, the wrath of God. Man can have perfect attendance in church, but that does not satisfy the wrath of God for sin. Man can do a thousand good deeds, but it will never satisfy the, the judgment of God for sins. But Christ Jesus, who knew no sin, died for our sin. He's our propitiation. That sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God. 1 John 3, verse 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Boy, the Bible says a lot about man being a sinner, doesn't it? The Bible reminds us a lot that we come short of God. I just read you several verses to remind us that while our sin would send us to hell, it kindles the judgment of God. Christ paid that price for us. Christ died for what we were. Christ died for what we did. Make no mistake, Christ did not come to die just to die. He did not come to die just so he could show he could be resurrected. Christ died and he was nailed to that cross and that blood was shed because that was the only way. The judgment of God that man kindled could be satisfied. And then number three, we think of Christ's payment for sin. Christ died. I don't know if you can guess this one yet. For what man did not do. Man should have fulfilled God's law. Man should just glorified God. But man's done either. Romans 3.23 reminds us of that. Romans 8.7 reminds us that in our sin we are in enmity with God. We're at odds with God. We're on the opposite side with God. Because of what we did not do. John chapter number... 10, I believe it is. I'll try and find it very, very quickly. I believe it's John 10. In verse number 17. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Let me just stop right there and say, what a God. How insignificant is man? We have to look at that last phrase. This commandment have I received of my Father. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. This commandment have I received of my Father. Son, because I love them, go lay down your life. He says, I can pick it up again. This is the commandment He's received. Man likewise received the commandment. Obey. Honor Him. We know man did not fulfill that commandment. John 17, verse number, we'll read verse number 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. In chapter 18, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. In chapter 18, Judas betrays him and they come and arrest him. He's on the eve of his resurrection. In chapter 10, we, he, he says, I've come to lay down my life. I'll pick it up again. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down myself because, and I'm paraphrasing, the Father hath commanded this of me. We find as he goes to the cross to be crucified, to pay the sin debt, he says, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Man is sin. So therefore, it kindles the wrath of God. Christ is perfect, holy, the lamb without blemish. Therefore, Christ is enough to save man who is sin. Man is a sinner. Man commits sin. Man, as we read in the book of Revelation, lost man is going to be called up before that great white throne and the account of every sin they have ever committed is going to be, they're going to have to give an account for that. And friend, no matter who they are, it's going to be a long list and they're going to stand in front of a holy and a righteous God. But we don't have to face that. Because there is a Savior, and we read several verses that confirm in Scripture that he became sin, but he knew no sin. He's perfect. And whereas man has kindled the wrath, Christ has paid for what man has done. And then as we've just seen and read, man has come short of what God expects. And he enkindles the wrath of God by what he has not done. Compare that to Christ who declares, I have done what my Father hath commanded. Jesus goes to the cross. He becomes sin. The Heavenly Father turns His back on His own Son because He bears the sin of man. Christ declares, it is finished. And I imagine all of hell rejoiced. I imagine they begin to celebrate. They didn't know their Bibles very well because Jesus had already declared in John chapter number 10. Don't get excited if I lay down my life because I got the power to pick it up again. 
And Christ was laid, that body was laid in that borrowed tomb. And when the work as our high priest was done, he did pick up his life again. And he did what only he could do in meeting the standard that God had set. No man can meet that standard because man is sin. But Christ meets the standard. No man can meet the standard because of what man has done. But Christ meets the standard. No man meets the standard because of what man has not done. But Christ meets the standard. I hope tonight that we've been reminded of how God sees sin. We have the word of God to tell us we're all guilty. Next time you get full of yourself, remind yourself what you are. But let's be reminded. I don't understand. I don't understand. Let's stand to our feet as I conclude. I don't understand. By Christians. I do understand it, but... but, but, I don't understand why Christians can turn their back on a God who loved them so much, knowing His wrath had been kindled to the place where something had to be done. There's only one person who could satisfy it, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, what a, what a God we serve. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't so, so some will say, and I'm sure you hear it, this is how you answer. Some will say, well, I, just don't, I just don't want to serve a God who, 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 who's, who's, who has wrath and anger and was sending you by to hell. Oh, you, ought to see the, you, ought, you don't know the other side of God. God's not a God full of anger. He's not a God full of wrath. You, he's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. Hey, tonight, study your Bible. Because some verses, we, we, get, we don't get the full context as we're just reading them to read. When you start tying together what Christ said, and what Christ said, and what was said about Christ, boy, it opens up when you take John three sixteen for God so loved, and then you take what Jesus said, I'm, he's pleased with me because I'm going to obey his commandment. And he clarifies, it's to lay down his life. Oh, what a, what a Savior. What a Savior we have. Father, we thank you.